0: Hi, welcome to the Neshamas podcast. We at Neshamas are on a mission to promote mental and emotional health within our community. Among the many ways we do this is by empowerment through education. This podcast is where we get to listen to personal experiences of those who have been affected by mental illness, the pain, the struggle to get better, and today, by the grace of God, have emerged with a message of hope and healing. My name is Moshe Khanen. I am a Grateful Addict in Recovery, and I am a Certified Life and Addiction Recovery Coach. I'm here to encourage vulnerability and allow for hope to emerge from the internal journeys we share. Please join me, hear the stories of these heroes, and know that you are not alone. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of uh, the Neshama's podcast hosted by yours truly, Moshe Hanan. And today we have a guest, Yosef Eichenbach, a good old friend of mine. And um, after a good couple of conversations, I realized Yosef is definitely um, a great candidate and he has a story that's worth sharing. So I bring him to you today. Um, I could get into the history of how I met Yosef, but I think we could let's just jump right in and see. Uh, if we can cover that within our conversation. So welcome Yosef.
1: Thank you Moishi. So excited to be here with you. Love talking to you as always and um, thanks for this opportunity to help and to share.
0: You're very welcome. Um, So um, what I would love to start off with is if you can just give us a picture. We want to earn the listeners' trust and give them a picture of what things were like when you were growing up, kind of like what your household was like, to um, give yeah to give people a picture of what was life like so they could then begin identifying. Go ahead, man.
1: Well, I grew up in Los Angeles, California, in a Baal Chabad home. Very fond memories of my childhood and a good upbringing. Mm-hmm. Lots of good friends, lots of excitement always around. Pretty, pretty normal standard upbringing, I would say.
0: Awesome. Um, is there anything that you would say would be significant that would have begun your journey? That happened at home.
1: At home, no. Um, you know, my father is a you know trained psychologist. He he learns a lot of tar and um, as does my mother, my mother uh, runs an or- uh, organization called Beis Chana uh, Women's Yeshiva, Beis Chana Women's Group organization in California. And um, so I always felt very empowered as, as a child in terms of, you know, I just always had this feeling that, you know, I could do and be, you know, I could do anything I wanted to do in terms of doing big things in life. And um you know that comes, I think it came from a mixture of my home, and I think it also came from a mixture of the chabad uh, upbringing as well we're, we're told if you see a problem in the world, change it. You'd be the change you want to see in the world. So, yeah, nothing, you know, my home was a very good home. Um, my parents were were loving and kind. Um, my brothers were amazing, were an amazing sense of, confidence for me and still till today when I'm around them, I feel like I could do anything I want and be anything I want. So the, the only thing I would say is that, you know, growing up in, in a boys' school, you know, there always is a certain amount of bullying. Um, I bullied people, uh, which I'm not proud of. And I was bullied. I was very, I was very friendly with everybody in my class, but there were some kids in the community and there were some kids um, in the class above me that did, um, that did bully me. And it w- wasn't anything major, it wasn't anything, anything to get too excited about. But, you know, there were times that I that I did feel less than or not good enough. And um, I think I, I, I did carry those feelings on to later parts of my life. You know, I remember yeah, so but but nothing out of the ordinary, I wouldn't say.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I'd like to ask that type of question simply because you know, really what the question that comes up for me, which I'm thinking that might be a question that a listener will ask, is like, everything was fine. Why why am I even listening to this? You know, what's where's the the horror in this story like where does it begin i thought that uh, only um alcoholics or addicts or, or mental illness comes from broken homes you know so why am i listening to this so i guess i'll bring that to the next question is if you can't describe to me because i know that your story has alcohol and 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 other substances but the I wanted to know, like, when do you feel like your journey with that begun?
1: Yeah. So I started to, I, I remember my first drink, um, it was in somebody's Shabbos table and I would just turn bar mitzvah and I had a drink. My, they, they wanted to offer me a drink. My father said, no, they convinced. I had a drink and I remember it was just something that I knew that I wanted to do. And probably because growing up, you see all the adults in all the room and all the people around you that they're always having so much fun drinking this drink. And, um, I, I, it just seemed very appealing to me. And I knew that there was something that I wanted to, to do. I didn't like the taste of it, but so alcohol just started out for me in, in yeshiva for Brahmins. Um, I wasn't allowed to drink at home, and you know, we were in, in high school in ninth grade. Um, we used to have Thursday night forbrings every week. There was Shabbos forbrings, there was Yom Um, and as the years went on, you know, there was Beni and more occasions to drink, and you know, going to shuls, Simchas um, uh, there was there was alcohol for days and days. And um, it just seemed like the thing to do. And when I, once I started drinking it, it was like, a, it was like, um, just had so much fun. It was like, a, you know, it let me loose. And it was just so fun and exciting and just wanted to do more and more of it. So it just started out as something that was fun. Why not? And um, it, le- it ended up at the end to be something very different for me.
0: Did you ever have any consequences from your drinking in the early years?
1: Um, so I remember my first, re- the first time I got really drunk was when I was, um, or one of the first times it was just getting very very sick after drinking. It was at Frabringen when I went to yeshiva in, in a New York yeshiva outside of the outside of the city of New York. Um, the Rosh Yeshiva was there at the Febring and he says, Yosef, Selechaim, say Selechaim. Say say and he kept on having me drink, 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 drink. And I got so sick, I was like, no, nah, I don't want to ever do this again. But you know, a few weeks later I was I was drunk again. Um, so it was I was I would get violently sick, and and as I got older, you know, I remember 18, going to Israel, getting very, very sick, uh, vomiting. But again, you know, vomit, you see, you get sick you rest and a few days later you're drinking again. But, um, and, and that's also where, you know, marijuana eventually came into my life. Um, at a later stage, probably at around 20 years old, um, you could get drunk or get high without having to have the consequence of getting sick. So that was, that was something that, that was very appealing for me. Um, my parents were on my case. There was a consequences for my parents. Uh, they didn't want me drinking they identified problems in my drinking and they would want me to lead, read literature about what alcohol does to you um, and I would fight very strongly against that my mother when I was 17 year old when I was 17 years old my mother told me I was an alcoholic um, and I just thought they were crazy their parents just trying to they, you know they were joy kills just trying to suck all the fun out of life and take away you know the fun that I was trying to have and um I do, till today, have uh, health issues because of my drinking. Um, You know, I had a, I had ulcer and which, which came to be, which came to create other issues um, and I have to take medication for it. And um, there are some health issues that I still have because of it, but um, I don't think my drinking was very, very different than your, than, than the people that I was around, at least. I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't extremely different. Uh, I wasn't the biggest drinker, um, you know, but it the way that it affected me in, in the long run or the, or the, what happened to me as after I drank is, was, is what makes me an alcoholic in, in the definition of, um, of the leading organization on alcoholism.
0: Okay. And um, do you recall anything from what you read that your mother told you to read? I never read. I never read.
1: I never read a bit of it. Never read any of it. I threw the books back at them. I don't recall a single thing.
0: Got it. And um, was there a period where you said you would never smoke marijuana and then you ended up trying it? Yes. Can you tell me about that?
1: Yes. I, I was very much against marijuana. My father, you know, being a psychologist, he explained to me how bad drugs are for you and he drilled that into me from a very young age. So I thought I was never going to smoke marijuana. Um, I had friends uh, throughout my teenage years who were doing it all around me and I never partook in it. I just drank you know, alcohol or beer or whatever when they were smoking. Um, when I was about 20 years old, a friend Uh, convinced me and he finally got through to me and he did it in a bit of a trick where he said he was going to smoke it and then breathe it through a through a tube into my mouth it would be secondhand and I wasn't really smoking it really I wanted to smoke and one thing led to another I was smoking marijuana um and there was no turning back from that and I always knew for myself um you know thank God I wasn't around when my friends were doing heavier drugs because i I was just new once once I had it um, uh, you know if it was good, I wanted more. that was my life. If it was good, I wanted more. Why not always have the best the ideal perfect state all the time? If you're
0: saying that when you would you know from drinking you'd feel sick at a certain point and then through smoking, you're able to like reach the ideal state. Not get sick, stay high. What was it like when you were in Thai and you weren't drunk? If that is the ideal state,
1: yeah. So, I'll just, I'll just, I think looking back, you know, now that I'm sober, I'm sober about four years, five months right now. Um, Amazing. don't have any mood or mind altering substances uh, for that amount of time. Mm-hmm no alcohol, no drugs, um, since then. And I did get off, you know, I was prescribed Ritalin. Um, I was prescribed Valium towards the end. Um, I had alcohol and I had marijuana, but, you know, so I always had something in my system, but I didn't think I was an addict because I, you know, sometimes it was alcohol, sometimes it was pot, sometimes it was the other, the other stuff. So, I didn't, I didn't think, you know, I, was, I wasn't was a daily drinker of alcohol. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it'd be, a, it'd be a week and maybe five out of the seven days I was drinking, but it wasn't every day, but there was always something inside of me that was removing me from myself. And, um, so looking back now that I'm sober, I'm able to realize
0: Yeah, I just want to, just a real quick, quick question. You said something that removes me from myself. I don't, I don't know what the language that you use, but what does that mean?
1: So now that I'm sober, I'm able to realize what, what was going on, why I was actually drinking, you know, and, and because I work a program of a recovery, I'm able to unearth the, the feelings that was going on that was leading me to drink to begin with. So like I said, it started out as fun and games, but really what was going on is when I drank, I felt free. I felt a release, a massive release, I could be anything I could um, I there was all all the pressures were gone. And now I understand what was happening. uh, Because when I'm being when I'm sober, I have to sit with my feelings. And I can't escape my feelings. um, Using a a drug and alcohol. And I don't drink coffee anymore, either. I I, I try not to indulge in sugar. I try not to because I want to be able to be with myself and not to run away from my feelings. And now that I've done that for such a long period of time, I realized that inside, I just didn't feel good enough. I didn't feel good enough just being myself, being the person that I am, Joseph Eichenblatt, I didn't feel that that was enough. I always felt that I needed to catch up and overcompensate and work extra hard just to be normal on the level of everybody else. Um, I felt less than other people, and I was always comparing myself. I was either less than or better than. When I was better than, I felt comfortable. It was very comfortable. And, um, you know, I could, I could be helping and I could be um, giving and I could be advising and I could be mentoring. Um, but if when I was around people that I actually, you know, felt less than, it was very uncomfortable for me. And um, constantly comparing myself to other people. I was constantly seeking approval from others, constantly people pleasing, and I wanted to always be liked by everybody, all the time. Every, I wanted everybody to like me all the time. It was insatiable desire to be liked and to be loved by everybody and constant approval. And you know, so the, the drugs helped me. The, the drugs, the alcohol, they they all helped me to to feel okay. And to party, and to uh, have just, fun, and to and to enjoy life, but under all that, there was that as well, and that's the the root of of the, the drinking problem.
0: Well oh, that's that's uh, very vulnerable of you to share that. I appreciate it so much. Um, can you tell me what? How did it pro- progress from you? Drinking, you know, farbringans, things like that, or going out partying, and then trying marijuana, like, like, what did it progress to? And if you can tell me a little bit about, like, how did it progress?
1: Yeah, so Moshe, you said it's, it's, it's very vulnerable of me to share. And, um, you know, that's something that I've learned to do, uh, being sober. But um, the reason why I'm doing this, just to make it clear, is there's, there's no story that I, that I feel that needs to be shared uh the only i'm not doing this for me is what i'm saying um we growing up we have we had a lot of similar friends and um some of them were dying from drugs and i saw friends of ours who were getting sober and turning their life around and leading amazing lives and you were one of them and um I was struggling myself. And because you didn't hide and didn't keep it a secret, you you didn't keep your journey a secret, I was able to hear through other friends oh, Moishi is sober, Moishi's this, the good's happening. I was intrigued. And for the first time, I was able to listen and hear because with somebody that I related to, somebody that I knew who had similar experiences, we spent lots of time hanging out together. And, um, seeing your journey is what eventually led to me getting sober and turning my life around. So the reason why I'm sharing this and doing this podcast with you, the main reason is because mm. um, I want people to feel to know that there, first of all, there is a solution. And to hear it, it this, this shouldn't, none of this should be kept a secret. And a lot of times we're shy or we're embarrassed or we don't want to talk about it because yes, it's very personal. But if we can break that stigma and be open, you know, everybody has challenges in life. Everybody goes through stuff. If we're to stop hiding that, you know, we're Hasidim, we're Jews, we're brothers, we're sisters. So why not share? Why not talk? Break that, break that culture of 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 going through problems and 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 sort of keeping it under the rug, sho- shoving it under the rug. But if I'm able to be brave enough to share my story, hopefully somebody else will find courage and, and be able to get help themselves if they're su- if they're suffering from something that I went through or if they know somebody who is.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you. Actually, as you're saying, I knew this for a fact. <laughs> but as you're sharing it, I was literally had some tears in my eyes. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Um, but I've got to bring it back because I did ask your yes, question. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> what was yeah? How what was the progression?
1: Okay, so I'm not going to get into all the nitty gritty details. Um, I didn't see any consequences for my drinking throughout my single life. Um, uh, I got married at the age of uh, 22. And I was very much focused on a shlichus life. That was it. I only wanted to date girls who, only want, who wanted to do shlichus. I was very much um, hardline. And that was my life. So I eventually, a few years into marriage, we were, we were living here in Sydney. And we were working in the school. And I decided I wanted to do this dream that I had. Um, to open up a Chabad house in the old city of Jerusalem, to have a place where people can just come in to basically bridge the gap between the inspiration that's experienced in Israel and the Kaisal and all that, and the yeshivas and the Chabad houses around the world. You know, there's lots of Chabad houses for Israelis in in, in India, but English speakers have that inspiration in Israel. So that was a dream of mine. We, My wife and I, we went out and we... We made that dream a reality. We moved to Israel. My brother and his wife had just got married there. We started to open this Chabad house. And it was great, it was great in the beginning. Um, My brother eventually left uh, just over a year in, and I was there by myself. And I remember when I was able to go fundraising with my brother, since I had him with me, I felt, you know, all the confidence and, and all that and I was able to do my job very well when I when I was with him, but when I wasn't with him um, I was stuck with myself and all those feelings of not feeling good enough and all those feelings of you know, so when I went out fundraising yes, lots of times I would muster up a lot of courage and I would be very courageous and, and but sometimes I would didn't, sometimes it was I was just sitting crippling fear and anxiety. And sometimes I said, "Well, let's just drink and then go out to meet people," and um, and that's what I did a lot of the time. And when I was when I drank, I had all the courage in the world. I remember one time at, you know, I I met George Rohr at the Kinesis Shluchim. I was able to go straight up to him, and you know, tell him about our program, and then we 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 communicated in the email back and forth. I was able to to be the person who I thought thought I was meant to be. When I, when I had alcohol in my system. And, um, you know, I was able to do my job. And I remember thinking in the back of my mind, is this sustainable? Is this sustainable? Is this gonna catch up with me health wise? But, you know, everybody else around me seemed to be doing it and it seemed okay. And, you know, I didn't really have a choice because this is the, the, the path that I chose. So I didn't see any other option. So, you know, eventually what ended up happening is, because of my, my drinking and my drugging, um, you know, the more stressful I would get is the more I drink and drug. And w- what ended up happening is it, it would hold me back. And I wasn't, I wasn't, instead of it being a help to me, it was actually crippling me. Because when I was under that influence, I was not able to um, act or be able to reach my potential um, and do the things that I needed to do.
0: And Can you give me an example of something like of, of how the drinking gets in the way yeah, of that?
1: I'll give you a very pra- I'll tell you a story. Okay? I used to go to Crown Heights from Israel to to fundraise, right? I used to go around the world. Um, I remember coming to Crown Heights and a lot of times I'd go to Crown Heights and I'd have, and I'd see lots of old friends. One thing would lead to another. I would spend a lot of time drinking and smoking pot with old friends. Uh, because I was anxious, because I was, you know, had to fundraise, or just because I saw old friends. And the what would happen is on these trips I wouldn't raise the money that I needed to. I didn't raise all and I would come back and I would be at home and I'd come back with not enough money. And I'd be sad and I'd be depressed and feeling beating myself up and and be down on myself. And I would drink a drug more. And then I wouldn't do the jobs that I needed to do from there. And it would just be a big circle and a big cycle. One, and I started to identify this issue. And these, I was already in talks with you. And I had already, you know, about my drinking, I was already exploring that maybe I am an alcoholic. And I tried, I had tried stopping. I remember trying to, you told me, oh, why don't you, why don't you just try to stop for two weeks? If you didn't see if you're an alcoholic. I like, oh yeah, sure, I can do that. So I remember it was almost a week in and it was Friday night. And I made kiddish. And once that wine touched my lips, I was like, oh, you know, I told my wife, well, I did so well. I stopped I stopped for almost a week. I did so well. You know, I don't need to do this anymore. So I, um, you yeah, know, I ended up, you know, I didn't finish the two weeks. But it was, it was I, my mind was constantly playing tricks on me in that way. And I thought I was making decisions, but I wasn't. So I go to, I said, okay, in this trip to New York, I'm not going to drink. So... I went to that trip to New York and it was almost a week in I only had a few little I, it was I was doing pretty well and Friday night came and I had I had crazy financial stress and but I'm not drinking and I was sitting Friday night by my dear cousin's house for for a kid we had we had a Friday night meal there and um, there's beer, there's wine on the table, and all that, and I'm holding very strong, and I'm not drinking, and there's a constant battle in my in, in, in my head, and my, my whole body is battling.
0: What's what's the dialogue? I want to know what's going on in your head.
1: You you can drink, you deserve to drink. Look how well you've done. It's just a little bit. It won't hurt. Drink, and and sometimes it, it's just like white noise. It's you don't there's this it, it's not it's beyond logic, and. I was holding very, very strong. And yeah, you know, there was some, there was some Brooklyn and I remember there was a Brooklyn lager or something on the table. And I was like, oh, you want to try this? It's like, it's really cool. It's a new brewery. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not drinking. It's okay, no thanks. And and the next day I had an opportunity to speak, somebody arranged for me to speak in a shul in Crown Heights, where there was be, be potential for significant support from that community. And it was good. so that
0: night you didn't drink, right?
1: Well, um, at up until this point, so I knew I needed the next day to be at this shul, so I needed to go to sleep on time, I needed to wake up on time so I could be fresh and speak and Shabbos in this shul and gain support that I needed. And so the meal's over, we're cleaning up, and there's one thing left on the table this bottle of beer. And I'm looking at it. And I don't even know, like the dialogue was gone. I just said, "Oh, Moshi, you know what? Actually, I I want to taste that. That can I taste that?" And it was kind of inconvenient for him because he would just cleared up the table. All the cups were gone. We're about to leave. He was go. He was heading out to shalom zacher, of somebody, and he's like, "Yeah, sure." He gets me a copy, opens it up, and I'm like, "I have it." I was like, "Oh yeah, really good and and a hit, you know, the alcohol hit." And I said, "Actually, Moshi, you know what? Maybe I'm going to come with you to that shalom zacher." He said, "Okay, let's go." It was on the way to where I was to where I was staying. I go to the shalom zacher and I end up drinking one beer and another and another and another and another till I can't count and I end up getting very drunk. Moshe ended up leaving the shalom zacher, going home. See you tomorrow. I ended up making it home very late. I don't know what time, and I wake up the next morning at one p.m. with a splitting headache, and I miss the opportunity. And I'm like, shoot, I did it again. I did it again. And um, I was just so down on myself. I ended up going that Shabbos. It was, a, it was a Ufruf for one of our friends who was also sober. And I see him there and he's shining. I ended up pulling myself in with so much shame. And he's sitting at the table, he's shining, he's sober. There's bottles of alcohol all over the place. People are drunk. And there's a few of my sober friends who are just smiling. And I was broken. That, that's one story. That's an example of of what happened of how the alcohol uh, got in the way it's a pretty It's great that you also
0: explained to me yeah but you also got to explain to me like what it's like when you tried to stop yeah and um can you go back a second like what the, that first time that you tried to stop in israel what were what was the day like in that week
1: some days were some days were easier some days were better um You know, I, I, I don't remember so clearly to be honest. Um, but alcohol and drugs were a medicine for me. They were there to help me to get through, to do what I needed to do. Um, I remember trying to put my kids to bed at night and I was just full of anxiety and I couldn't wait till I could go and drink or smoke pot they were sleeping how horrible i felt i felt so horrible in that moment because these are the 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 joys of my life and i i can't wait to get away from them but i just had all that anxiety and it was just like 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 a contradiction you know thank god now i could sit and be present with my kids but putting them to bed and it's the most precious moments of my life but you know there was there was that anxiety it's so much anxiety and 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 stress, but look, drinking was something that I did when there was when when I was happy, when I was sad, when there was a celebration, when there was stress. It wasn't it, w- it was not just oh I'm stressed I'm and I'm stressed all the time. I wasn't always stressed. You know I was I was a person who was accomplishing a lot. I, I started an organization, a Chabad house, which had thousands of people coming through. I was uh, you know I'd travel the world and speak in different shuls and and um, you know I was. And the outside, if you would look at me, everything was great, and to a certain degree, a lot of things were great, and and I was very happy. I was leading a very idealistic life, but inside there was a lot that was crumbling, and and my alcoholism was was catching up with me, and um, I remember one one day I was uh, after school in the morning, I was just sitting on the steps on the way to my house and. I just broke down crying. I said, God, help me. I said, not help me. What's going on? I just couldn't figure out. I was always trying, I'm somebody who's very much into personal development. I'm always trying to grow and I'm always trying to be the best that I can be, the best version of myself. You know, I would go to I would do meditation. I would do different retreats and um, different self-help programs. And I was constantly working on myself. I became a life coach. Uh, it was a rabbi, um, you know, I did different, lots of different courses, or maybe it was a, maybe it was a CRM, maybe it was a management tool um, that was holding me back. But I was always trying to figure out what was wrong or what was, what, what could help me to be better. And I just broke down crying and said, "Shem help me. I, I'm, I'm, and it wasn't long after that where we had our conversation, which ultimately um, led to me, you, you said... I said, why don't you just try to stop drinking one day at a time? I says, one day I can do. Two weeks was too much. But one day I can do. Today I'm not going to drink. And it was very important because I was in Florida for our friend's wedding. And I couldn't drink because I would miss the flights and I was catching other international flights. And I didn't have money to buy new tickets. And I got through that day. And when I got through that day, what happened is I was sitting with friends of ours at the table the whole day. There was Fabrangian's all around us and there was alcohol around us. And we had such a fun time sitting with sober friends and other friends who, who were at the table, but weren't alcoholic and weren't drinking alcoholically. And we just had so much fun. I was like, wow, it was the first time I realized you could have a fun time and not drink. I was like, whoa. And there was like that little glimmer of hope There was like this window, I felt there was a window of grace that I said, I jumped through and I said, you know what? Hashem has offered me this uh, this opportunity and I'm going to just keep on trying to go for it. And that was the beginning of my journey.
0: So what followed that first day? (sighs) Meaning like, what was the next day like? You took your flight. What did you do when you got on the plane and they were offering drinks?
1: It was. was, was, There was nothing out of the ordinary. I felt like I felt like Hashem had given me a gift, that I, for the first time, there was the compulsion to drink was gone, for some reason, that that there It was just gone. Like I was. I was. It wasn't a massive struggle. And. And you know, I just felt like this window of grace. That I. This 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 gift from God that. I was you know, I, was, I wasn't, it wasn't a battle. And I I, I think it was in part, it was part because I'd broken down and I cried to Hashem and, and asked Him for help. And I said, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help is what I was essentially saying. And I was gifted this, you know, I "Not you don't try to conquer your whole life and try to fix everything all at once. Do one day at a time is what you told me. And also it was in part, I was just so fed up with what was going on of, of being stuck in that cycle of addiction. I remember, you yes, asked what did happen. I do have a very clear memory of, you know, back in Israel, going to shul one morning. And I was, you know, I, it was a few days and I tapered off of every, all the drugs and alcohol were finally clearing out of my system. And-
0: One second, this is, you, you stopped everything that at that moment? Okay. Meaning so the, the Valium and the thing?
1: Actually I didn't, no, you're right, you're right. Um, I stopped pot, I stopped alcohol. I still had Valium. And I still have, I was still on Ritalin, which were prescribed from doctors. Um, but yes, those were yeah. drugs that were in my system. Um, but I remember going into shul, I hadn't drink- drunk for a few days. I didn't, you know, smoked anything for a few days. Um, was, and there was like, it was like clear. I just saw everything more clearly. And I was like, Whoa, like, this is what it's like to be sober. I just have like, I just have that clear as like, and I didn't realize that it was, that, that I had been in a fog. I didn't, I didn't realize that I was in that fog. But, um, so I, things went on and um, I remember speaking to you a few weeks later and, you know, it's funny because yes, I I started to tell all my friends in our kiddish club that we had, we had a kiddish club, um, all, all these guys. It, it wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just Shabbos afternoon, but it was, you know, it was, it was all the time. It was our, our group of friends. And I remember telling them I'm, I'm stopping to drink and I'm trying it get out. And I remember when I started, I said, I wanted to stop. It was like a challenge that I set for myself. I want to get to that same level of happiness that I get through the alcohol. I want to not be dependent on that. I want to get it out on my own. And I said, yeah, I'm, and I said to myself, I'm going through this challenge. And I'm going to see how this goes, try to, and try to do that on my own. And my friends were very, um, did not, did not try to push me to drink. And they probably, you know, they probably saw, they probably knew that, you know, it's probably better if I don't drink, even though they were drinking a ton. And so I didn't, I didn't get pressure from that. And I remember speaking to you, and you said, "Yosef, you know, maybe try to go to a meeting." He says, "Oh no, no, you know, I'm not drinking. You know, it's fine." And he said, "Yeah, but if you want to, it's it's not just it's not just about not drinking. It's also about living. It's not just about not drinking. It's also about being happy and being okay with yourself, and just being happy with life." Something like that. And I said, okay. And I saw that you were happy with, with life and, uh, and um, some other friends of ours. And I said, you know what? I'll try this thing out. And I went to a meeting and in that meeting um, I was looking for what was different. How I was not like those people. You know, I'm not like them because of this, because of that. I'm different, I'm different, I'm different, I'm different. But there was a few people that I really identified and I saw that that I had something very similar to what they had, their drinking and their... their was different and I, I related to it. But at the end of the meeting, they read something that was the 12 Promises and it caught my attention. And they talked about knowing a new peace, knowing peace and and the serenity and the, all these things that happen when you work the 12 steps of this program, which have all come true in my life today. Um, and that word peace caught my attention and serenity caught my attention because that's all I wanted. I just wanted some peace and serenity. I just wanted to be okay. At that state, my heart was jumping out of my chest, even on the volume, you know, I was I had so much anxiety, I was worried. And, and I just I couldn't, I, at times I would be very short of breath, I couldn't breathe. And I was just like, I want some peace. So that, that's what got me coming to another meeting into another meeting. And, uh, you know, four and a half years later, here I am.
0: <laughs> Insane. There's a little piece of the story I wanted to I wanted to ask you about, which by the way, what you just said is really powerful. And, uh, it's truly humbling and it's a, it's an honor to be part of your story. And, um, so my question is, is like, did anybody notice it? Like even towards the end, did your wife ever say anything like that? I don't know if you're okay answering that question, but like, what was that like?
1: Um, my wife, um, didn't really, maybe a couple times she mentioned something. But you know, I felt like you know, I had I had so much stress and I had so much pressure in my life. I was entitled to drink. This was the this was my gift. This was like Shabbos comes. This is my time to drink. I work so hard during the week. I could drink on Shabbos and um, you know, or the days is whatever. I it's, you know, work during the day in the evening. I'm allowed to drink. Um, and. Yeah, Shabbos, Shabbos afternoon, I'd either be drunk or passed out on the couch. And she, she was a very good, she's a very good wife. (laughs) She let me, she wanted me, she, she bought my story that I need this space to, to let off some steam. Um, She did mention sometimes that it did come up. Yes, that's the answer in short. It did come up. And I remember with my brother who I was working with in, in um, Abraham's tent Um, he mentioned it, it was, it was getting in the way, but I could, you could not tell me, I did not see it. I didn't, I didn't believe it. I just thought I have, this is my relief. Why do you want to take away this thing? That's, you know, my escape, my relief. I deserve it.
0: It's amazing. Like, it's amazing how that's really how we see it. Why are you? Why are you taking away, like there's a you and that's that, that's taking away my relief? You know, you're robbing me of something I really deserve. I just identify. Anyway, um, what was the first signs in your wife's life or from your surroundings where you saw that, wow, okay, this program is working?
1: Wow. Um, so... My wife wasn't happy in, in Israel, in in our you know, and I don't blame her at all. It was it was a very stressful situation financially. It was very hard. Uh, we had a very successful organization going on, and I was very very devoted to it, and I put that before my family. So my wife and children were suffering, and um, she wasn't happy there, and. Um, remember we came back to Sydney to visit her parents for Pesach and our relationship was just breaking down and you know we went to see a a therapist or a counselor or whatever it was and it was very clear that, that that the path that we were heading down was not a sustainable one for our relationship and I was at that point in time, I was trying to get sober, you know, it, it, by the way, just to make it clear, it wasn't like I got sober straight away from that conversation that we had on the beach in Florida, where you said to stop drinking one day at a time. Um, I wasn't able to stay sober from that, but that that's what started the journey. So I was still dabbling with getting sober. I was going to meetings and here and there. And I was at a very broken point in my life. I was just very broken inside. I felt shattered, split in half. And I realized what I was doing didn't work. I have to try something new. And I decided to throw myself full force, uh, just fully surrender myself to the program, um, the 12 step program and the meetings and just do what they say. Because it worked worked for you, it worked for other friends. And I give this a try. And I gave myself to it fully. And when I started working that program, and started working the steps of that program, my wife saw a change in me. And she was, hey, who's, who's, this, who's this new guy? Who is this person? As opposed to where she was maybe afraid of me or, or um, wanting to you know maybe distance herself a bit from my, some of my behaviors. She was like, wow, hey, I like this guy. I want to. I want to hang out with him, and um, you know that's that. I remember that very clearly. Um, we we recommitted we to. We're going to work out. We're going to whatever it is. We're going to work it out, and um, we were both fully on board with that. So that was a, that was a big turning point.
0: Awesome. So. Can you tell me a little bit uh, about what you do today in s- different situations? But I wanted to know, like, what do you do today if you were to go into a similar situation like going to fundraise or or going to say a speech where in the past you would have had to drink or had somebody to come with you and hold your hand?
1: Um, I just want to go back to what I was saying before. Um, what happened, what I was actually doing practically, I was working the program. And the program tells us to focus on the things we can change. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. So I accepted that I couldn't change my wife. The courage to change the things that I can, which is myself, and the wisdom to know the difference and the wisdom to know that and to know what I can change and what I can't change. And at that point where my wife, stopped, where that, where I was talking about, where we had that turning point, where I decided to focus on myself. So I had to focus on working and, and fixing myself. And you know, I was I was in talks with with different mashvim and shluchim about my situation. My wife's not happy. My wife wants to leave shlucha. She do, she wants to leave Israel. And yeah, but this was my whole life. I couldn't I couldn't comprehend that. I couldn't understand that. Did You know, I dedicated my whole life to this cause. I even married my wife and dated people who only wanted to go in Shluchus. Like, how, how can you tell me something else? And I remember a shliach telling me very, very strongly. He said he was a shliach who was sent to Israel in the 70s. He's an older shliach, somebody who's very respected, and he was very angry with me. He was sitting with me and my wife, and he said, the Rebbe doesn't want you to be in Shluchus right now. He says, Chabad lights the menorah inside the house because then we can go and light it outside. That the house needs to be light, lit, and full of light. You cannot give if your house is not full of light. You need to make sure that everything at home, everybody's happy. And you need to focus on that. Then you can go. He says, he does, either doesn't want you on Shalikhas right now. It's very strong. And I said, okay, you know what? I'm gonna put my family first in every decision. And I'm going to just focus on, and we started to build a new life. We said, okay, we're leaving our life in Israel. I mean, we said, we're staying here in Australia. And I started a new career. I started an entirely new life from the ground up. I was in debt at that point. I had, I had debt from shlichus. I I I only knew shlichus and being, being on that path, didn't have any degrees or anything. I... um my clothes. I was living out of a suitcase. All my stuff was in Israel. My whole house was in Israel, and I was going to go back and pack it up. But I ended up getting a job, and and you know, I'm, I'm in that same career now. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a massive it was a massive change. And um, anyways, I don't know how we got there, but. Um, <laughs> Um, to answer your question, to go back to your question. Do you want to ask your question was, again?
0: That's fine. I'm really happy that you just went there. That was that was very, I don't know. I just got super emotional. That's really powerful what he said. Um, I hope he hears this and knows how important that conversation was. Um, yeah, my question was, what do you do today as opposed to what you did in the past? In, like any real any example but the first thing that came to mind was like how do you go into scenarios that were similar to like the fundraising or going into uncomfortable situations how do you go into them now without the need to drink
1: so um look it's there's no one quick answer for that question i could share with you some experiences um it 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 comes First of all, any, any addict or any alcoholic who's gotten sober may probably tell you, or I'll tell you from my personal experience, I knew that I was powerless over alcohol. I could not stop doing it on my own, and I needed help. I needed Hashem's help. So I've shifted my life from one that's more reliant on myself to one that's more reliant on God. It's much more of a faith-based life that I try to live today. Because when I'm when I'm in my own will, in my own self-will and, and relying on myself, it's very uncomfortable. And when I'm reliant on Hashem, everything is, is a lot more manageable. I need to just focus on what I'm doing right now. So getting sober, it's it's such a, a massive thing. It's such a change. But today, when you know you need to have a personality. I needed to have a personality change. Um, because the person before only knew how to deal with his issues through drugs and alcohol, and I need to learn new ways. I needed to build new neurological pathways within my brain um, to, to deal automatically, naturally, with situations that I didn't know how to deal with. So... Today, when I'm if I'm uncomfortable or I'm feeling social anxiety or or you know stressed about something, I know I can pause. I can pause and I can I can breathe. I can think about I know that Hashem give me gives me breath. I can breathe in, breathe in Hashem, breathe in Hashem into my lungs and fill Hashem into my whole body. Feel that energy that's keeping me alive every single moment. And know that for Hashem. I'm more than enough. Hashem is giving me life. Hashem loves me. And and for Hashem, I'm perfect. Hashem created me perfectly just the way I need to be. Nothing in God's world happens by mistake. So where I am right now at this moment in time is exactly where I need to be. And I am exactly who I need to be. So all I need to do is just be. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to change anything. I just need to be. And do what Hashem wants me to do, which is being kind and doing the right thing. Being of service. You know? The other way I can get out of my feelings of, of anxiety is by helping others. A lot of a lot of my my beforehand, a lot of my decisions was was based on self, was based on my own selfish wants, desires, and yeah. So I could change that. So how
0: does how does today's Doing for others change. How's that different than the way you are you doing for others in the past? In the past you were totally devoted, shliach like meeting thousands of people, like literally giving your life over. What is what's the difference?
1: It's a good question. It's a very good question. Um I think the big difference is that I'm not so stuck to to my plan of what I think needs to be done. I'm much more fluid. And I've surrendered my, my entire life to Hashem. So I'm, I'm able to go along with life as it unfolds. Obviously, I have plans and have goals and, and, and all these things, but I'm not stuck to do it and not paranoid. You know, <laughs> um, I'm not worried if somebody else is going to fundraise for the next person because I know Hashem has a plan that I'm going to get the money that I need to get. I'm not worried if somebody else gets a job or if there's another person doing the same type of shlichus, or if there's another chabad house near me, or if there's misnagdim doing that and fight, like, I don't need to worry about that because there's a there's God in the world and he's in charge. And I need to just do my part, not focus on the things that I don't need, that I can't change, just focus on myself and the things that I that I can change. So the service is from a much different place. It's not trying to control anything. It's not trying to do it. It's just doing what needs to be done now at the moment. So the service that I was doing at that point in time was, yeah, was was tied to a lot of self-will and a, and a lot of ego. Ego not necessarily meaning like, look at me, but yeah, the, it was that as well, but also ego meaning self.
0: Right. And it makes sense to say like ego meaning because I don't feel like I'm, I'm enough. Therefore, hey, look at me. I'm compensating for my deficiency. Look at me now while I'm okay and I'm normal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to be, I don't need to be um, a Shliach to be okay. God created me perfectly, just the way I need to be right now. I am who I am. And and not everybody's going to like me. And that's okay too focus more on liking myself and just making the right decisions and being okay, with just living my life based on principles and making decisions based upon those principles, not about what other people think, not based on my fears.
0: What do you do today? Like on a, on a, whether it's a daily, weekly, like what is your support system look like today? Your support system, your support schedule.
1: Okay. Well, it starts at the morning, uh, waking up straight away, Modani, focusing on that Hashem gave me life again. And I'm here for a purpose and feeling that gratitude inside of me. And then I have some of my own personal prayers that I say after Modani, you know, ones that serenity prayer that, that I said before, and there's some other prayers that I say talk to Hashem, say, God, I surrender my life and my will to you to build with me, to do with me as you will. Relieve relieve me from myself so that I can do your will. Take away my difficulties, take away all my challenges so that victory over them can show all of your will and your love and your way of life. So I could be a vessel and a channel for your will in the world. That's what I ask Hashem when I wake up in the morning. And... You know, when I've surrendered, so I've basically taken my mind and I've shifted it from my own will, say, okay, Hashem's will. Whatever happens, my kids are going to be fighting with each other or whatever's going to happen. Okay, that's part of Hashem's plan. I'm going to deal with it. Instead of getting angry or or this and that, I'm going to deal with it as it comes. And then I, I write a gratitude list, at least 10 things that I'm grateful for in my life. And I try to meditate in the mornings as well. Meditation has been so huge in my life, massive. Because through meditation, I'm able to slow down, I'm able to see and come to these realizations. And when a a challenging situation comes, I'm able to see it coming. I'm able to watch it coming. I'm able to react much better. Meditation has been huge. I can't even one of the greatest gifts of my life. I can't. I use an app. It's mindfulness meditation. It's not a spiritual. It's not a vodazar or anything like that. It's purely being mindful. it's it's actually Kavana. It's what Kavana was supposed to be from the beginning. just thinking about one thing at a time, slowing down the mind can, you know
0: See, Yosef, i I wanted to ask you, like you talked about a bunch of different periods of life. I wanted to know if you can talk to either the people who are in your life or to yourself in your life at those times. And here are a few just right off the top of my head. Like there is the time when you're 13 years old and somebody is giving you a drink. There is the time when you're in yeshiva and the Russia yeshiva is pushing drinks on you until you get sick. There is your brother and your wife. When they notice that you're drinking is causing. This is
1: too hard. This question is too hard. So many ways they could go. Because, I mean, it's. A, yes?
0: Look, I'm not asking a could have, should have thing. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is that if somebody sees something like this or is in that situation, what do you think they can know that will direct their actions to do differently? Or if there was something good, encourage it. Okay, I hear what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, one of the things is I I don't regret the past. I, I don't, I don't regret the past and you know, I don't, I don't wish, but I guess one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast with you is because I didn't know, I didn't know that I was doing anything wrong. Alcohol was legal. It was encouraged and I, I didn't see any problem with it. Everybody was encouraging me and telling me. So yeah, if I, if I tell anything, I would tell to the, the adults and the people responsible in communities, the rosh that were serving me the alcohol, the, 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 the adults and people in the shuls that were setting an example of a frum rabbi and a frum person drinking like somebody, not like a chassid. <laughs> Not like a not like a from person, drinking beyond the four that the Rebbe says, or just just the the whole the whole environment of of drinking being so acceptable. I'm not against alcohol. I don't drink because I'm an alcoholic. I can't drink. When I drink, I cannot determine what will happen. I cannot control how many I will drink once I drink. That's what makes me an alcoholic. So, but for other people who can drink, great, drink. It's fine. It's Hashem created it, but do it in, in the proper way. As long as it's not impacting your life in a negative way. And as long as you're able to have a few drinks and put it down, fine. But the, the culture and the environment where kid first of all, kids, teenagers, I, I, I don't like seeing teenagers, kids, you know, from 13 to 21, just drinking alcohol, like, like it's normal, um, because especially when you're that young the the brain is still developing and putting alcohol into the body is very damaging to the to development of the brain but um just that it, the the culture and the environment of of drinking to to realize that hey maybe we need to think about drinking and how much we're drinking and who we're serving it to and how often we're drinking it to just create some awareness and that's that's part of part of, you know, why I'm even talking about this. Because I feel when there are people in the community who are suffering, they don't, I, for me personally, I didn't realize that, that I was engaging in alcoholic behavior because I was just like everybody else. So I didn't realize that was a problem. And that's why searching, 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 trying to figure out, Hashem help me. Because I'm not any different than anybody else. Everybody's doing the same thing.
0: What's wrong with me? Yeah. Definitely remember thinking that. Um. We can't. We can't, we're gonna kind of wrap up now, but I wanted to know if there's anything you wanted to share, like a message to a to a parent, to a teacher, to anybody struggling. What's
1: a message? My message would be, no matter how hard you think it is, or how bad you think it is. It will pass. As long as you, wherever you are, you can get help. And there's people who have been in that situation before, however different you think it is. There's probably been somebody who's been through something similar. Reach out, get help. You can call me if you want you can find me on Instagram. I'm not like a, i don't, I'm not an influencer on Instagram, but it's an easy way to reach me. Yosef underscore Ike, I-K-E. Um, Yosef Eichenblad. I'm, I'm more than happy to help anybody who, who's, who wants to talk or is struggling. I'm also a, I'm also a certified life coach. Um, if anybody wants to do life coaching sessions with me or Moshi, highly recommended. We're not therapists. If you need therapy, go to therapists, but, um, yeah, I mean, um, you can get help and however bad or however hard you think it is, it can get better. But you need to be focusing on the solution and not the problem. And um, there's probably a 12-step program for you, whatever situation it is. And it's been the biggest joy of my life where all the, all the joy and all the peace and all the fun that I was looking for through alcohol and drugs, I have found through sobriety and through working the program and doing the 12 steps. It's absolutely changed my life. And uh, my life looks nothing like it did before. Thank God, I'm still from I dive in three times a day, um, but I live a lot lighter. I I work. I work in a bank here in Sydney, Australia, and my kids are happy, my wife is happy. Obviously we have you know, we have challenges like anybody else have, have, has, but it's my life is nothing like what it, is bef- what it was before. Um, I know peace, I know a new serenity. Um, and um, I feel like today I have the ability and a chance to be the best version of myself because I'm sober and because I work this program. And the, the, the joy is infinite. And it keeps on getting better. That's just the truth. It just keeps on getting better. And, um, you know, I've also gone to therapy and worked uh, worked on, in, 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 done inner child work and worked through stuff. So, you know, life's, life's a journey. Life's um, about constantly growing and, and it just can constantly just get better. It really can. And um, it takes courage. It takes a lot of courage, but it's worth it.
0: Thank you, Yosef. I really appreciate you uh, coming on this podcast with me. It's been so beautiful within this conversation. I've laughed. I've, you've gotten me to tears. And I truly, truly pray and hope that the right person hears this. And I believe conversations like this need to be published and they will change lives. So thank you. Thank you, Moshe. And thank you all for joining us. Have a great week. All the best. Thank you for listening. Please share your feedback by emailing us at podcast at We hope you'll be back for the next episode of the Nashamas Podcast. This is Moshe Chanan, wishing you a healthy and a meaningful day.